Mulaney, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 And a good Friday afternoon to you. T.C. Martin coming to you live from the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the spot on the Las Vegas Strip. The spot anywhere, no question about it. We are here inside the fabulous, luxurious William Hill Sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Double B, Brian Benowitz, our VP of Casino Operations, college football, college basketball, hockey, and croquet guru. What is going on, my friend? Croquet, I like that you added that to my, I, to my every mix. Every week it's going to be something different because you amaze me. I, I should say the man that is just... Uh, Hellacious on wheels. Oh yeah, yeah. And skates. Yes. Uh, you know, it was nice to see up at the ice rink the other night. Oh, uh, it was fun, man. It was it was a beautiful night here at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, uh, your daughter and her friends all had a great time, and the fire pit was going. And uh, could get Frank out there. He's uh, was a little uh, hesitant, but yeah. uh, it was still a beautiful night out at, at uh, the ice rink at the Cosmopolitan. And uh, you know, it's uh, going to be an exciting weekend here at sports. A lot of games canceled, but. You know, the primary games are on, and it should be a lot of fun. No, we'll look forward to that. All right, and uh, speaking of uh, Frank, Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank, Frank Harnish in the house, of course, with us, uh, rocking and rolling here. And, uh, you know, Frank and I, we were there for the ambience. You know, again, we, we know our limitations as far as, you know, on ice skates. We're, we're not the, you know, prototypical uh, type of uh, right winger like yourself, okay? I mean, we, 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 we pick our spots. Yeah, I'm a left winger, but that's okay. Same yeah, difference, yeah. whatever, okay, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, but yeah, a great time. If you have not been to the ice rink before, it is fantastic. Up on the fourth floor where the pool is, be here through uh, January, right? Uh, January 3rd. January 3rd. Yeah. So you get out here, and uh, like, like Brian said, the, the fire pits, uh, the, the ice, uh, the Zamboni is rolling there. Uh, you guys do a fantastic job of social distancing, and the food is outstanding. We had an array of, uh, of great food from uh, sliders to the chicken tenders to some tater tot combination that you whipped up there in the, in the back kitchen. I don't know what that was, but it was fantastic. Couldn't get enough of that. And as Frank will uh, vouch for, the hot chocolate second to none. There you go. Hot chocolate was really good, and, and you don't have to sugarcoat it. I know it's the holidays and everybody's looking for some sugar, but I'm not hesitant. I'm just not going on the ice anymore. <laughs> never really did do it that much. First time I put on ice skates, I was skated out there with my baseball. I'd love to play, play goalie. I love hockey, but it's not my thing necessarily to play. But, no, it was a lot of fun. And, and I got to admit, maybe it's the dark side of me a little bit, but, but I kind of like watching the people when they fall and stuff like that, and they're struggling. <laughs> so, you know, but, but, again, that's maybe my evil side a little. But, um, but no, it was definitely a great time, and a lot of people having a having an awful lot of fun out there it's a great thing if you haven't been up there coming out and check it out and uh the hot chocolate some people like tc and his daughter they like the marshmallows with it i just like it straight there you go he's a straight straight guy with he's, it he's and, uh yeah if you get your family and want to come out there is some uh, uh issues with the 25 percent occupancy so mm -hmm. uh uh, come out and uh, try to get a reservation. You could do it online uh, for the fire pit. And what are the hours at the ice rink? The hours are now extended from noon until, uh, I want to say, 9 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Even on weekends? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great great stuff. Yeah, the ice rink here at the Cosmopolitan. And, of course. And, and don't forget the, the mini Stella Artois Zamboni. That's we, <laughs> yes. we, we have a sponsored Zamboni, don't we? I yes. noticed that. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you said that, not me. There you go. <laughs> Great stuff, though, here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Okay, today, uh, action-packed show, of course. Uh, a lot of guests uh, joining us today in person via the phone. The uh, former quarterback, Jay Schrader, Super Bowl champ with the Washington Redskins back in the day. And, uh, of course, the former Raider. So he will join us. We'll talk about what we saw last night. With the Raiders and the Chargers, we'll recap that. So Jay Schrader will join us. Our good friend, Dr. Christina Madison, our health expert, will join us today. The publicpharmacist.com is her website. Roseman University as well. 
Uh, you've heard her on this show probably numerous times. Now she's making her way to TV. Frank, we created a monster. She's on Channel 13, Channel 5, Channel 3. She's everywhere. Yeah, she, she's basically, I'm actually surprised that she's still willing to do the radio with us or whatever, because cause there's a reason some of us are on radio, she doesn't need to be. That's true. <laughs> but she remembers where her bread is buttered, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. All but, right. You know, at least she remembers the little people that got her her start. There you go. All right. And uh, Showtime Sean Porter is going to join us. Uh, he's out in L.A., and he wants to uh, to, to join the, the festivities and the party today as well, too. So we'll... We'll hear from the champ, the two-time welterweight champ as well, too. Always great to hear Showtime and his perspective on the Cleveland Browns, that's for sure. <laughs> you know that's coming up, exactly. All right, guys, last night, uh, Chargers-Raiders. The Chargers get the job done 30-27, to a crazy game again. You know, we talked all week about this game. The Raiders needed it for any glimmer of, of playoff hopes. It, it got shredded uh, at the end last night. And this was a thing that... It's the same old story. It was the Raiders' defense not showing up. You can make a change with a defensive coordinator, Rod Merrill. It doesn't matter. And the personnel not there. Of course, yes, they had injuries on the defensive side of the ball, but it was just uh, it was the same old, same old last night at Allegiant Stadium. And sitting there and, and, and watching that game and just seeing the emotion of both teams and both sides, the Chargers came to play, and we talked about that during the course of the week. Do the Chargers have anything to play for except pride? And they came in here and felt like, hey, they wanted to pay back the Raiders for that last-second loss that they had in Los Angeles a, a few weeks back. And Justin Herbert looked like a seasoned vet. This guy looked like a pro. Uh, unfortunately, Derek Carr got injured in the first quarter. Marcus Mariota had to come in. But Mariota looked pretty good. And he looked good with his legs. And again, Talking to Anthony Lynn after the game last night, he was saying, you know, hey, he caught us by surprise. We didn't take any reps for a dual threat guy like Marcus Mariota. And for Mariota making his season debut, he played pretty well, but not enough for the Raiders because the defense let him down again. Well, Mariota certainly played a, a, an outstanding football game. Uh, knew when to run, had some great touch on the ball, made one really bad pass that uh, was returned to the distance. The defense showed up on that drive, though. Uh, made a great play on third down, uh, sacking uh, Herbert, uh, forcing a 51-yard field goal that, of course, went off to the left. My biggest issue with the Raiders is their inability to score inside the five. Twice they had first and goal inside the five, and in overtime, when you're looking to make the playoffs and you're first and goal on the four-yard line, you got to score. You can't come down and wait for a field goal, and I know that Jacobs is injured, but their inability to move and, 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 and convert first downs and score deep in the red zone. They got two field goals last night, 20-something yarders. The week before, two 20-something yarders. So the defense did show up in the second half and played pretty well. They picked on 27. I can't remember his name. Miller, Millen, pretty good uh, on the Raiders. But, uh, you know, the Raiders oh, had... Trayvon Mullen. Yeah, Mullen. Yeah. Uh, they picked on him uh, big time. from Clemson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I still think the Raiders... If you push the ball in the end zone, it's over. Yeah. There's there's no ability for the team to come down the field. So you, that was disappointing. You mentioned Jacobs being injured. Jacobs was the bell cow last night. I mean, he had some fantastic runs. He powered through everything last night. In the in the juke that he mo mo uh, made to get down to the five-yard line. Yeah, the and, catch in the flat, you're it, right. Oh, just amazing. Just amazing. So I don't... I didn't, you know, we talked about Jacobs being injured and he was kind of wearing down. He found that second gear, and that's the kind of guy he is. And, you know, if you know his personal story, how much this guy has battled back, you know, we love the guy at Alabama, and, and you love him here as being a Raider, just, just a great guy and a great athlete. But, yeah, he has been worn down. But I did not see any of that last night. And like you said, Brian, first and goal at the four last night, you keep pounding it with him. And that's what you got to do, and you can't settle for, for field goals. And we saw Carr. When he was in the game in the first quarter when they were down there and had to settle for that first field goal. Same thing with the play that he got injured on where he got shoved out of bounds. He, he tried to take off himself. The uh, set on third down when they rolled to the short side of the field, which cuts down the other side of the field, just makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it, just, it, was, it was very dejecting to see that. And then uh, what could have been a fumble wasn't a fumble. Then they moved it back. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Herbert made a great play on that last, that last push to get the ball in. And... You know, it uh, seems like the same old Raiders. Uh, what we thought was going to be a little different tune this year has kind of uh, fizzled off into what looks to be a, another non-playoff season. Hmm. 
Well, and it was such a strange game, too, because, I mean, if, if you could say that you had a bad beat if you were on either side of that game with all the twists and turns. And you mentioned uh, the, the, the Chargers missed not one but two field goal attempts. Then the Raiders, uh, were they re- really even going to try that 65-yarder? And they couldn't even get the snap off for it. So I, I doubt that that would have won the game in regulation anyhow. But then they go down, and you mentioned the fact that they can't score when they get inside the 5 or inside the 10. And they're showing the stat during the game of the Chargers are the worst team in the NFL of defending that there because they give up touchdowns pretty much every time. So this is a team that you should have been able to score in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, uh, when when they got the field goal and they had to settle for the field goal in overtime, you saw it over three minutes to go uh, with the timeout and everything. You just had a feeling. It's like, well, you know, this is Herbert's chance to uh, – kind of take the wind out of their sails just like in the last game when the Chargers thought that they had a chance to win the game and then of course they didn't get that catch in the end zone they got their revenge but they put it in the end zone we're talking about a whole different thing here but because they had to settle for the field goal and they did still leave plenty of time in that situation uh, it wasn't the run defense you could tell that the Raiders were really focusing on shutting down the run a little bit more but their pass defense last night was terrible speaking of that drive Okay, we, now with the, the, I don't say the new rules, but what they instituted last year, the 10-minute overtime rule instead of, you know, 15, the regular time for a quarter, if you get that, you know, kickoff, and again, you, you win the coin toss and you take the ball, the Raiders went 15 plays and, and basically went 70 yards, you know, down the field, taking it at the 25 and moved it to the, to the five-yard line. And there was three minutes on the clock left. And San Diego had to, San Diego, here we go. Chargers had to preserve a little bit of clock, and they had to burn a timeout on defense. And if they didn't, the Raiders probably could have taken it down the two-minute warning. So I thought that was a nice move by Anthony Lynn, and they came up with a stop. Jerry Tillery got his handout, former Notre Dame guy, by the way, uh, enforcing the field goal. And just, I don't know about you guys, but just being there, I'm sitting there going, this is not going to be good. The way that Herbert conducted that offense the entire game and looking at him on the sideline, I think they showed it on TV too, he got his helmet and he just he was nodding his head. He was like, okay, let's go get this. You just had that feeling. And he was shredding the defense, especially the secondary. I know what you're saying, Brian, that the Raiders, you know, the, the line kind of stood up a little bit, but the secondary was was a sieve. It was terrible. First, you have the pass interference call on that drive, and then you know, you have the 53-yarder com- that completes it. You know, down you know to the one-yard line. I, if he throws that ball out in front of him, that's a touchdown. Exactly. It, it, it should yeah. have actually yeah. the game should have actually yeah. ended on yeah. that play. That Correct. was one mistake Herbert made, but there was so much separation that it didn't matter. Remember well, but the defense. The defense came up and hit him right in the face. So for him just to get the ball out to catch it, I thought was a pretty good play. Yeah. Yes, if he lays him out in stride, but, you know, that's easier said than done when you got a behemoth <laughs> coming right down on you. He still got the yeah. ball out there, uh, which, you know, at least he didn't overthrow him. You overthrow him, it's the cardinal sin in that time. So, um, but they should have never been on the field, is my point. You're inside the five-yard line. First Cash to go from the four, done. win the game. Yeah. Don't give this team an opportunity. Yeah. And yet we, uh, the Raiders did, and that's the results. And Frank brought up a great point about that, that drive uh, to end the game. Hmm. I know it's fourth down, but you're going to go uh, with a quarterback sneak uh, and then spike the ball with no timeouts left. Yeah. I mean, try to move the ball to the point where you could get a decent field goal and go. I just right. uh, to settle for a guy to jog out there and try to get a, on time to do a 65-yarder. It just was. It seemed like the Raiders were a mess. And, and like I said, the play calling inside the five has to change. That just was. It was pathetic. And also, you mentioned that play at the end that had the Raiders had to settle for the field goal because of the the ball being knocked down. Even if that ball wasn't knocked down, Ingold wasn't going to be in the end zone. They right. weren't going to get a touchdown on it anyhow. They still would have had like fourth and two. They still would have had to settle for the field goal. I don't understand how you don't throw it in the end zone on that play. I, maybe if the guy's right there and you think he can make a move, but that wasn't going to score even without the knockdown. It wasn't going to score, and that guy can't catch anyway. Yeah, The, the play calling <laughs> has been a, an issue all season long. It, it has been, and especially in, in these games uh, – you know, at home and in the Jets game going back a few weeks ago too. And the Raiders are basically the they're the same thing that we've seen year after year. They're going to miss the playoffs again, you know, for the 16th time in the last 18 years. I mean, even with is, the expanded playoffs, even with the expanded play, it's just it's totally embarrassing. Uh, you know what, what we're seeing here. And again, the way they finished the season last year, uh, you know, closing down the season two and four, they're going that, around that same. They might, they might not get to, uh, might not get another victory. They got Miami coming in here on next Sunday. 
no guarantee they could beat Miami. Oh, they and were then, certainly lucky the to beat Dem the Jets. And then, you know, Denver, <laughs> the, way they, the way Denver's playing. So uh, you, you just never know. It's just, again, they're 7-7 seven and seven right now. They're going to be on the outside looking in. 9-7 and seven isn't going to get you in into the playoffs, especially, you know, losing tiebreakers and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, Raiders on the outside looking in. Again, I know what you were saying, Brian. Hey, you know, this is you know, the, Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. There was a lot of optimism. But when you really look at this franchise, we talked about it before the season even started. We talked about it in the offseason. It's just like, I just, I, I can't see it. I mean, I don't think Derek Carr can can you lead you deep to a championship. I love Josh Jacobs. I like what they've done. Uh, the, the offensive line, okay. But that defense, nothing has changed with that defense. And the Raiders have to upgrade. And making a, a change on the defensive coordinator position, that, that's not going to cure it. Yeah, well, I mean, what was lost was an incredible effort by Mariota yes. and, and Waller. Waller was incredible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame. Uh, I was very bullish on this team coming into the season, and really midway through the season it looked like they had a playoff team that was ready to go to that next level, and uh, it just kind of the wheels have come, up, come off the team. You know, we mentioned Carr. He suffered that groin injury in the first quarter last night. Uh, looks like he's probably done for the season, especially with the Raiders really not much to play for at this point in time. He's going to need to rest that thing, they said, between 10 and 14 days. So it really doesn't make any sense. And again, the way Mar Mariota played, and especially now getting reps with the first team, I would have no problem you know, seeing Marcus Mariota you know, you know, close this thing out, regardless if, if, if Carr was hurt or not. I didn't realize how much he was making until they said that on TV last <laughs> night. Well, yeah. It's a pretty big backup uh, salary. Yeah. When we had the battle of Oregon quarterbacks, as it turned out last night, right? We had Herbert against Mariota, and uh, the youngster, Got the better of it. He he got the W. But, yeah. but those back are two to good. Those are two quality quarterbacks yeah. out of Oregon. Oh, yeah. Oregon's uh, you know a fine organization, and uh, Mariota's a great guy. So I, I I hope he does real well these last two weeks. The other thing that will be interesting too, assuming that he does get to start the rest of the way here now, is how will he perform when teams are preparing for him during the week instead of preparing for Carr? And then, mm -hmm. like you heard the Chargers say, they weren't expecting that dual threat. And that there was a couple times when he he went out on that naked bootleg or something like that, and there was nobody to stop it. And you could tell the Chargers had no idea what to do or how to stop him because he is such a good runner. But now with teams coming in that they're going to be preparing for him, will he look as good? Right. And how, how does the team play? You know, I mean, uh, are they going to c come out and show, uh, you know, a, a little championship pride or are they going to just play out the season? That remains to be seen. Right. And that game could have been over a lot earlier on that interception. Let's give Marcus Mirota some credit for, for chasing down what a play. What an yeah. athlete. That, that was an out, out, outstanding move. And, and the bottom line is their linebacker had a chance to, to plaster him. And he, he beat and, the block. And he beat the block. Yeah. He beat the block and he pulled him down. And there you go. I mean, they, they, they had that opportunity. And they held the Chargers from scoring on that drive. Look. I thought he was gone. When, the, I, when I saw the pick. The Raiders get the ball. There's no Joey Bosa. He's out. <laughs> And they go 70 yards in 15 plays, and then you don't push it in. I just, it's inexplicable. Yeah, you got to do know? that, no doubt. Okay, so uh, turning our attention to college football, the we got Clemson Notre Dame tomorrow. Of course, we will have the unveiling of the four teams that will be in the college football playoff. Brian Kelly had some interesting comments today, definitely making the news on his thoughts about the college football playoff. Now, there are going to be two venues for the semifinals. They're going to be, uh, there's different sets of rules for each site. So, and when I say different rules, I mean as far as fans attending or not. So, one game will be in New Orleans, where they'll allow some fans. And then the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, will not allow fans. So, Brian Kelly took to the podium today and said, basically, if we get selected to be part of the playoffs and we cannot have friends and family, our players can't have family, he goes, we may not go. So here's a full quote, and it's some pretty telling stuff, and we'll let you guys comment on this. Brian Kelly said, I'm not sure we'll play in the playoffs if the parents can't be there. Why would we play if you can't have families at the game? If you can't have families at bowl games, why would you go to a game where your families can't be part of it? What's the sense of playing a game in an area of the country where nobody can be part of it? Maybe the college football playoff committee needs to spend a little less time on who the top four teams are and figure out who and how to get the parents into these games because it is an absolute shame and a sham if parents can't be watching their kids play. 
My kids have been on campus since June. They haven't seen their families very much at all. They've had to fight through COVID. Some of them had COVID. They can't be around their families for Christmas. And you're going to tell me we're going to have a playoff and maybe one site can have families and the others can't? Please. Somebody's got to wake up in that room and figure this out, or you might as well call this a professional league. I'm so sick and tired of this playoff committee talking about having sites where you can't have parents and families at the games. It's ridiculous. Brian Kelly, head coach at Notre Dame. So, Brian, when you hear that, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I've never been a Brian Kelly fan, and I think less of him now, to be totally honest. Uh, uh, if he thinks that there's going to be uh, consistency now, after, after they, they've let the leagues do everything and change the rules throughout the year, he's nuts. If he can't see what's happening in California where they had 60,000 cases the other day uh, to not people at risk. And by the way, these people, some of them could go, some of them not. They may let a, a select few fans, but not friends, that are in there. So, uh, I'm sorry, family, not friends. Uh, and so, that's what he's talking about, the families. Yeah, but I mean, as of right now, no but, one but whatever. No one will be in the state. They wanted to play football this year. These are the rules in California, either accepted or not. And for him to come out so aggressively, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the people in the country where you got 200,000 a day and 60,000 in California getting COVID. If you get accepted, you want to go play, go play. If you don't want to play, stay home, Notre Dame. You know, there's a lot that he said there, and I'm trying to figure out what his real objective is here. First off, it sounds like he wants to take it out, take the one out of the Rose Bowl and saying, well, why are there different rules in different places? Yes. Well, we know that different states have different rules. Maybe he's positioning saying, make sure that if we go to that one of the four teams, that we get to be the one where there will be fans at. So maybe he's petitioning for that, saying we don't want to go out west to the Rose Bowl location, which I don't think, I, I think that depends on where you're seated, not who you are, but it seems that. When he says this stuff about, well, what's the point of going to a bowl game if the family and friends I can't be there or whatever? Then what was the point of playing the whole season? Right? Yeah. I mean, you played the Clemson game and your fans did get to rush the field for that, but you've played other games where there were no fans. This to me is like a bunch of moves trying to to play a little bit of authoritarian. And what's the reason for playing if we can't have friends and family? I don't know, six million of them that I know of from being in that the, the, the playoff, the, the football playoff thing. So to me, it's somebody just sh shooting off his mouth, saying a bunch of stuff, trying to show that he's an authoritarian or something like that, trying to make some moves or whatever. But there's no way they're not playing in that. Could you imagine the university and everybody else? Oh, by the way. You're not even in the ACC. You joined the ACC this year so you could play football, and now you make it to that final group, and now you're not going to play? That's where, you're, that's where you're bailing out on it? I don't believe it at all. I think it's just all talk, trying to get himself in the best position that he can be. There's no way they don't go to that final. And if they do, then every player on that team and everybody in that school should go, why the hell did we agree to any of this at the start? Where, where is he the authority to make that call? That's like that, that idiot coach in Florida who said, we're going to fill up the swamp. <laughs> yeah, really, you're going to make the call? that they're, 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 He had to retract it a few days right, later. Right, right. You know, the, the fact is, the alumni, the boosters, uh, the TV market, it, it's bigger than having a handful of family and friends at a game. You know, if, if the fact that they're even talking about playing this game is fantastic. And people will be interested to watch it. And they have an exceptional football team. And he's doing them nothing but uh, disrespect by saying stuff like this. I, I think there's a, a few angles that he has with this. First of all, I think that is pure frustration that just about everybody has because there's just been no consistency whatsoever with any <laughs> of the conferences, as we know. And, and then, like you said, Brian, from the very beginning, hey, uh, what's the hurry? Uh, you know, should we even be playing? And like Coach K echoed that from the basketball side as well, too, saying, you know, we should start thinking about, you know, should we even be playing? So I think Brian Kelly is just frustrated that everything changes, not by the week, but it changes by the day and literally, you know, by the hour. So I think there's just a lot of frustration what they've had to deal with. And then the other thing is, yes, I think absolutely he's trying to position and make a statement saying this is how firmly he believes that, okay, they're allowed to have fans at Notre Dame, minimal fans. And again, uh, I think you are. he is looking out for his players and saying, yeah, you only go through this once. You're, you know, to get to a college football playoff, that people should exper uh, experience that. And I think we all agree with that. However, unfortunately, this is just the way it is this year, yeah. and everybody's being affected. It's just not college football players. It's athletes all over. It's people in general like you said, Brian, the, the numbers that people are, are suffering with COVID, and we, we've known people that, uh, that, that have had it or currently have it and that sort of thing. It's just like 
if we're going to play football, we're going to have to follow these rules, and it's not going to change right now. But I think there's some frustration because, like we said, you look at games in Florida and Texas, there's 20,000 fans there. California, you've got zero. So, again, if they're able to play in New Orleans, they'll probably get their fans. Is he positioning for that? Well, probably so. I, I think he's positioning for that. And the other thing is, a, a flip side, a, a different uh, branch of this argument could be, if I'm Dabo Sweeney, I'm going, hey, guys, let's make it real easy for Brian Kelly to make his decision. Let's just beat him, and they does not have to worry about playing in that. You know, Then they can pick whatever role they want, and they can make sure they go to one with fans in it. And, and Kelly did say this, too, uh, later in this uh, session. He did say that, hey, I don't make that call. He goes, but I'm just giving you my, my opinion. He goes, I am an advocate for this. He goes, this is obviously beyond me. It's our athletic director. It's our chancellor. It's our president. And then it's the college football you know, committee as well, too. But, again, I mean, does it beg the question? We've known that California – well, I guess what they said, too, that they thought California would loosen up by the time that the college football playoff – because, obviously – I mean, everybody involved in this wants fans. They need that revenue. <laughs> so, uh, but they did say that they thought things might loosen up, and it hasn't. But, again, you're not going to change a venue. But there's talk about that, not possibly moving this to Texas and out of the Rose Bowl. It's just it's crazy. It's fluid. It's, it's what we've come to expect in 2020, though. And well, Texas and Louisiana, we're right next door to each other almost, and it would make sense. And, and that's why I say when I think, I think he's petitioning for something to try to get it out of California and out of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Well, and, and Frank made a good point. I mean, they were able to, to weasel their way into the ACC after not being in a conference all those years. And, and by doing so, their schedule remained a lot more steady than like a BYU. They could have been BYU. I mean, BYU's yeah. schedule was a mess all year. It kept yeah. changing and whatnot. They added a game on Thursday and have to go across the country. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, these, these players, uh, these teams have battled through uh, a pandemic to play football, and, uh, you know, it, it's not been easy. It's not been easy on anybody. certainly not easy on the students that are there. So does this uh, help you make up your mind you're going against the Irish uh, now? You're going to bet Clemson? No, I, I like Notre Dame. I like <laughs> Notre Dame in that game. Uh, I think this you're... is a silly thing to say, but I, I am on, I'm on Notre Dame in that game. I, I like this football team. I, I, like the, I really like Ian Book. The guy's a winner, uh, and he finds a way to win. Uh, and they've got they played some really stout defense, so uh, uh, and they know they could beat Clemson. They beat them once before, so all right. We will be breaking down all of the college football conference championship games during the show here today, and also our best bets coming next hour. So hang tight with that. We'll give you our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays, like we do each and every Friday here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. A lot to touch on today. NFL news Drew Brees, he is not only back with the Saints. He's practicing with the Saints. He's starting this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll dive into that with uh, Jay Schrader when he joins us uh, next hour as well, too. But when we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little boxing, talk a little football, too, with the two-time welterweight champ, Showtime Sean Porter. It is the T.C. Martin Show on a football Friday, live from the Cosmopolitan. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, Brian Benowitz in the house here taking care of business with you. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. It is so easy to use. Just download it on your phone, and then when you deposit at least $50 into a brand-new account, they will match it with another $50. Real easy to do. Deposit at least $50. You get another $50. Boom, free money to play with. And that's for first-time users. Get the William Hill mobile app. Great for in-game wagering. Great for all the different sports. Uh, and you can sign up here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, a William Hill sports book now, or at any of the great William Hill uh, books uh, throughout uh, Las Vegas or the great state of Nevada. Brian, have you got your your, your account yet? You got the free fit? Oh, the promo code, TC50. That's right, TC50. You got to use the promo code TC50 to get the free $50. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a great deal. Uh, they do a great job. They got wonderful writers here ready to take it when you go to the window uh, or you get on the app and you're good to go. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, Jay Schrader is going to join us a, a little bit later on. Dr. Christina Madison will talk some more NFL, talk some football, and uh, give you our best bets as well, too. But join us now, uh, our guy who is on the road uh, down L.A. with probably more television duties from the boxing side. We're talking about the two-time 
welterweight champion of the world, our good friend Showtime, Sean Porter. Showtime, what's going on, brother? How you doing, TC? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? How's you? I'm good, man. How's your birthday? Uh, birthday is, is great, man. I, I can't complain. Uh, spending with, uh, with, with great friends here at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, Going to be eating like a king tonight. Uh, there you, you know, go. F- friends, family. You know, you know how food is such an important part uh, of, of, of my daily <laughs> life, Sean, a, as you can attest yes, to. Yes, I do. So, you know, and, 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 <laughs> yeah, you can, know and you can only share that with me when you're in between fights, when you don't have to make weight. See, so there you go. Or, 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 and, and every time I lose a damn bet to you. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Didn't we have a, didn't we yeah. have a bet on Mon- uh, Monday night's game with, with the Ravens and Browns? I could have swore we had a bet on that, didn't no. we? No, I haven't spoken to you in months. <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> I, I knew I couldn't get that one by you. Oh, man. How you doing, what, champ? What a game, though, huh? It was a game. Yeah. It was a game. Yeah. Let's 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 start talking about that, man. Give me your thoughts when you're watching that because it looked like the Browns were in control and Mayfield had a really good night. Something that I've only shared this with just a few people. My buddy texted me after the game. He says, "Damn, that was a great game. I can't I can't even be mad at it. It kind of felt like I did after your fight with Earl Spence Jr." I said, "Yeah, it was exactly like when I fought Earl Spence Jr." I kind of wanted to tweet it, but I felt best not to because. People would think that I feel, you know, I'm, I'm accepting of a loss. And it's not the case. But, you know, the night that I had with Errol Smith Jr. last year was just, it was an amazing night. It was a night where no one could really be mad at the outcome or anything like that outside of my side, my team. And the same thing with the Browns. I mean, it was an unbelievable game from beginning to end, a game that, that, that they fought violently in. A lot of people didn't expect them to be able to win. And then, you you know, you look up at the very end and, they lose just they they come up just short and it's like you you know even though you're salty about the lose the loss is like man there's nothing more you could do you can't be too mad at it you know, that is a great point and a great comparison that you make there because i felt that exact same way you know watching that fight with with you and spence where you know, I thought you gave a great account of yourself. And again, as we've talked about, you know, you know, before, yeah, I mean, you probably win that fight if, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get that that knockdown. And I remember the look on your face when you got up, and you're just like shaking your head, like man. But you gave such a, a great account of yourself, and that's why it was fight of the year because both you guys yeah. were were going at it, and it was a great fight. Yeah. And like we've said, and I'll say it again, that fight should have taken place his next fight it shouldn't have been Danny Garcia who you defeated and that was it was garbage for that fight to even take place and as we saw the mm. result and I'm going to get I'm going to get your your take on that fight you know as well yeah. but the bottom line is it should have been a Spence Porter rematch or as I say a Porter Spence rematch as yeah. soon as he was ready to to get back into the ring yeah, I mean, but, you know, again, you know, just playing off of that analogy, when you look at the Browns and you look at Baker Mayfield and at the end of the game, he's like, yo, I did everything I could do. The team ultimately did everything that they yes. could do. I mean, if we, if we we can't point out the missed field goals by our kicker, uh, but aside from those, those, those uh, the field goal, I think there was one field goal and one extra point. But outside of that, I mean, it, it's like it's, it's an effort that you can't really hang your head on. And, you, and now the great part about it is a lot like me in the boxing ring, people are really starting to look forward to what the Browns can do. And uh, that, that makes me proud. You know, then you, you fast forward into Aerosmith Jr. Hey, listen, I'm on his side. He, can't, he, he had a lot to come back from. I, I publicly say I don't want to be his first fight back. If there's anything different from him, I want, you, I want everyone to see it against someone else. I don't want them to see it against me. And now you're saying, well, Sean Porter beat him because, he, because of everything that he's been through. You know, so I think the best thing that could have happened is he comes back against another fighter who could be, uh, who, who was a former world champion and, you know, outside of fighting me and, and now Errol Smith Jr. and, of course, Keith. You know, I think that there's still opportunities for him to still become another world champion. Uh, I, it was good for Errol Spence to be seen against him opposed to being seen against anyone else like myself or Terrence Crawford. I just felt like if the fight played out any different against us, there are too many, too many questions and too many things to be said. Uh, but I think he cleared, it, he cleared the weather. He cleared, every, he cleared everything up, cleared his name, and, and now we can see that he's ready uh, for myself or maybe even Terrence Crawford. You know, we have heard, and we talked about this before, that you were in line for the winner of that fight. 
what is the latest? Yeah. What can what can you share? Have there been any talk, any negotiations? You know, I funny thing, man. My 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 buddy, same guy, texted me this morning. Hey, <laughs> have you called? Have you called uh, the big man yet? And I said, No, I haven't. He says, He says, Damn it! Will you exercise? Activate one of these. Uh, uh, mandatory clauses already, and I so, see. Yeah, I'm just waiting on, waiting to see what 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 these guys are feeling like when they want to fight. I got a feeling Terrence Crawford. I might be. I'm, I'm mandatory to fight for his WBO. I got a feeling he doesn't want to fight me. I got a feeling he he he, he feels like there's bigger and better things out there for him. Being Manny, Manny Pacquiao or Errol Spence Jr. Uh, but I feel like if he if uh, if I were to get in the ring with him, it could happen before the summer. I think it's no secret at all that Errol Smith Jr., he deserves a, a little bit of a break. I think he's going to get right back in the gym, but I don't think he's going to be ready to go until summertime. So I don't see myself getting back into the ring before April, May, uh, right around there. Um, I think realistically somewhere around June is where I could kind of be definite that I'll be back in the ring. But it shouldn't be – it should only be one of three names, right? Pacquiao, Errol Smith Jr., Terrence Crawford. Absolutely. Showtime Sean Porter joins us, the former two-time welterweight champion and waiting for his next fight, and hopefully it is against Earl Spence Jr. When you have a fight like that that you mentioned, that you did everything you could in that, you still think that you did enough that you probably should have won the fight? You know, the, the, the judges saw it differently. Do you prepare for fights differently after a loss like that a little bit? Like, instead of just your opponent, do you ever look at the judges that are ringside or something like that and go, wow, this one might be tough or something? Or is that something that you just put out of your mind and you just concentrate on the fighter and doing your job that night? Because it's got to be frustrating when you look and you go, if there was somebody else in that seat, maybe the decision's a little bit different. I talked to Tim Bradley after the fight, and um, Desert Storm said when he was coming up, when he was fighting, he would always pay attention to who the judges were, and he would kind of structure his style based on who was judging the fight. And he said he felt like that was what gave him the nod in the first fight against Manny Pacquiao. I don't know that to be what the case was there, and I don't know if there's something that can be done uh, when it comes to my style and when it comes to me getting in the ring and, and the judges that are seeing me. I feel like at this point, judges know who the fighters are. They know what to expect. And I think that that plays into the judges' minds as they judge a fight. However, I did take that advice from, from Tim, and I do think that in the future when I see who, who my judges are, understanding the, judge, the, 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 the fights that they've judged in the past and who they've judged for and, and the fighting styles that, that were in the ring when they, when they gave certain people to fight, certain athletes to fight, I think I can make subtle adjustments. And then even beyond that, I think, you know, the one thing is just this really subtle nuances that I'll do a little differently in the fight where Earl Smith Jr. That, uh, that I didn't do in the very first fight. And I think that uh, with those small, small, small uh, changes, I really wouldn't even call them adjustments because they're really just moments in the fight. They aren't really, they're not, excuse me, they're not big adjustments that can be made and, and make a, and have a profound effect on the fight. I think there's just really small moments that, that, that I need to change uh, in, the, in the future fight with Errol Spence Jr. And, I, I mean, it's no secret that I can beat him. Uh, he, he's a great fighter, great athlete, uh, even greater person coming back from everything he came back from. But uh, with that being said, I, I know that I can beat him. I know that I, I have everything that it takes. I think the world knows that now, and I think that that's why everybody wants to see a rematch. So this is an interesting situation here, Sean, I'm going to ask you, because you are not only the, the top contender here for Earl Spence Jr. in a rematch, you've already fought him like we've talked about, but then again, they're, the public is clamoring for a Terrence Crawford fight, who is a good friend of yours against Earl Spence. Top rank, who has Crawford, they, they want a Crawford-Spence uh, fight. So for yourself, I know you want that fight probably before Terrence gets it. And uh, so as a person who's part of the boxing media as well, kind of break that down and give me your thoughts on why. Is it as simple as what we've always talked about? Okay, two different promoters, two different companies. They can't get on the same page. And you know both of these fighters so very well. Give me your opinion about this. Well, listen, um, if the business of boxing says that we know Sean Porter is a mandatory for all of these belts. However, we think that 
a fight right now between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. is what the world needs, is what boxing needs. Then I, I think that that's something that I can kind of wrap my head around and respect and do the necessary things that it takes to, to uh, move to the side and allow that fight to take place. However, I, I, I don't think that uh, there's a problem with making a fight between myself and Terrence Crawford. And obviously there's no problem with making a fight between myself and Errol Spence, and Errol Spence Jr., uh, as it, when, it, when it comes to those two guys, I think the negotiations of the money is what's going to be the biggest uh, situation. You have one guy who's got two belts, uh, has been dominant against the, the, the top elite guys in the weight class, and then you have another guy who's been a dominant force in boxing since day one as a professional, and he has a very stern manager uh, that's going to demand the best for him. So I got a feeling the money is going to be the biggest obstacle when it comes to making that fight. I think it's a fight that can be made. Um, I'm really starting to uh, change my thoughts on who I feel could win that fight. Uh, for some time now, I've said that Terrence Crawford would beat Errol Spence Jr. However, I see uh, the determination. I see the preparation. And I see the corner that Errol Spence Jr. has. He prepares better for fights, and he has a better corner than Terrence Crawford. And I, I kind of feel like that, at this point, could be a, a, a very big factor in the fight. So I, I'm still, I still want to lean towards Terrence Crawford in, 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 the, in, in the fight against Errol Smith Jr. But, you know, when I, when I do the X's and O's and I see who's got what and, and who's doing what and how and when and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm seeing that Errol Smith Jr. is the real deal all the way around. Uh, Terrence Crawford's the real deal when he gets in, in the ring, but when there's resistance, and there hasn't been any resistance to Terrence Crawford that I feel like his corner has been able to make the, the, the adjustments. Uh, any type of resistance that he's faced, he's made those adjustments. So I don't know that his corner can tell him the adjustments to make, and I think that that, that could be the deciding factor in the fight. You mentioned that you could wrap your head around if the public demanded or wanted that fight first, that you'd be willing to maybe do that. What would that make your schedule at? What's ideal for you as far as when you would get back in the ring and take on that fight? Would you want a, a tune-up fight in the interim? Or is there such a thing as there, there's too much time in between fights for you? Or are you such a pro that it doesn't matter, you'll just do the right thing at the right time? Uh, you know, I got a feeling that I'm, I'm such a pro that I can just get it together and do what I have to do. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm doing Fox now and I'm doing NBC. NBC's given me a, a great deal of, of uh, responsibility over there with doing these different walking talks and, and giving me these different segments and whatnot. And they ask me, hey, are you comfortable with this? And I tell them I'm a boxer. I have to be comfortable with it all. You know, so the same, things, the same thing happens when you get into the boxing ring, for me at least. Uh, I adapt to whatever's going on, whatever hasn't transpired. A lot of people would say, man, you're taking a whole year off. You're taking a whole year and a half off. For me, I say, so what? I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm a showtime fighter. I'm a, I'm a, I am a, I'm a person that when the lights come on, I'm always ready. Same thing with NBC. Same thing with Fox, FS1. And that's who I am, you know, so I have no doubt that I could put it together when the time is right. So Bob Arum, actually, when we had this conversation, him and I, and we talked about the fight, a potential fight with you and Terrence Crawford, he said he was fine with that fight. So what would we stand in the way of that fight happening if the Crawford-Spence fight can't happen? Uh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. Bob, don't lowball me. Yeah. I'm worth more than, than, you, than you're going to give me the respect of being. Don't lowball me. I will fight against that, but I'm not going to fight too hard. Uh, I'm a fighter. And for me, it's not all about the money. Uh, my family is well taken care of. I'm well taken care of. It's not all about the money. However, I, I'm, all, I'm saying this now. Bob, you want to lowball me. Don't do it. It's not necessary. Make the, make the right, thing, right things happen with the, with the money and the business because the right thing is going to happen when I get in the ring with Terrence Crawford. I'll make sure Bob's not going to lowball you. He's not going to lowball you. Bob, Bob's going to lowball me. I'm saying it now. He's going to lowball me. I'm mad just thinking about it, talking about it. It's going to happen. I'm already prepared for it. Understand, Bob, I know you're going to hear this. Know that I know you, and I know what you want to do. Don't do it. You're going to do it, but don't do it. <laughs> Showtime, Sean Porter. 
talking to us about what is next for him. Also, Earl Spence Jr., uh, great stuff, uh, my friend. All right, so uh, bringing this back to, to the Browns, uh, guys are 9-4 and four right now, looking pretty good. This looks like a legitimate playoff team. Um, so g- give me your thoughts here, man. I know you got your you got your little orange beanie on and everything, and you got that <laughs> little, you know, you got your scarf and that homer. Come on, you're a member of the media now, too. I, I'm going to put you in the football media. So be objective here. Give me some thoughts of, uh, of, about the Browns and how far can they really go in the AFC. I'm a very optimistic person. I think I'm an optimistic person because I am a Browns fan. You have to be optimistic every single week, and you have to be positive. But that being said, I'm, I am very hard on my Browns right now. I'm trying to really just dissect the team as a whole and see where our holes are and where we can improve. I do feel like we have some improvements to make. We're on the back end trying to, trying to fight for a spot in the playoffs. We'll sneak into that wild card position, and I'm hoping – we can make some noise in the first round. I don't know. I, I don't feel we can go deep. I don't think we're a deep team through the playoffs just yet, uh, especially with, uh, with uh, OBJ going down. A lot of people say we're playing much better without OBJ. I think the team has just kind of banned around uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, and we're all doing whatever it takes at this point. Uh, but you know when you get into the playoffs, you've got to have some secret weapons, and you've got to be able to throw some long bombs and finish games, and I think that that's where the Browns are struggling the most is is being able to finish games. And so um, I I do think that we'll sneak into the playoffs, maybe, maybe get out of the first round. Um, But more than anything, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season for the Browns. All right, there he is. You know, you talk about you on television as a boxer, television uh, analyst. Brian, Brian's got some other questions he wants to ask you about television. <laughs> Listen, all right, let's do it. <laughs> we, we, all, we all know you're clutch, but, boy, you sure pulled it off in the family feud the other night when we sat down <laughs> to watch you play there. Oh, man, I hated that game. So <laughs> going on, I, I took a look at who I had, and I'm like, I'm like all right, Ryan's going to be pretty good. I know he's seen the show. And, and I'm just looking around. I'm like, all right, I got to try to get the steals here. And so I'm, I'm like, just trying to get the, the answers that nobody else would think of, and of course, those answers aren't on the screen, and I'm making a fool of myself, right? So they're like, hey, man, we want you to do the fast money round. I said, let Holyfield do it. He hasn't missed the answer yet. And they said, no, we want you to do it. And so I come back out, and, and I'm going through it, and I'm, and I'm giving the answers, knowing that the answer's already going to be up there. We get to the last question, what game is played on a court? And I'm like, I sat there for just a second. I was like, you know what? Tennis is played on the court. Let's yep. go with tennis. It ended up being the number one ass. A lot of fun, and I look forward to doing that again. I had a lot of fun with Steve Harvey as well. So, hey, tell me how that all came about, you and the Family Feud. And for those that didn't see it, it's a great episode. I'm sure you could pro- probably find it. It's uh, Basically, it was like the the WBC guys, uh, I guess, what, even Jose Suleiman was on there. Was it you, Evander yeah. Holyfield? How did all that come yeah. about for you? Ryan Garcia, uh, Eric, Evander Holyfield, myself, Riddick Bowe, uh, president of the WBC Suleiman. I got friends everywhere, and I didn't even know that I had a friend involved with CBS. He called me and says, hey, we're putting a team together for Family Feud. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah. He, you know, he told me the, the rundown. It was going to be the WBC versus some people in the UFC. And I, no joke, we get there, and they're kind of giving us a rundown of what, we, what to expect and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I think it was five people over there with UFC, and maybe two people had seen Family Feud. They had never seen the show, <laughs> and they just were not ready. I mean, we're in the back room, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, you guys are not ready for this. And uh, the WBC just had a moment to shine and, and, uh, on national television. It was awesome. Now, wait a minute, though. You had Riddick, Bowen, and Evander Holyfield, and those guys been in some wars. I'm not, I'm not sure how good that I would think they would be on the Family Feud. Yeah, you, I got all the confidence in, in, in you whatsoever, but your, your teammates there, I, I don't know. I was a little shaky, man. I, I was a little I, worried I feel about bad. You. I feel bad. I have to be honest. I didn't have that much confidence in either of those guys. <laughs> Because I've known them for so long. Right. And um, we go out there, and those guys, there's a lot of there's a lot of the show was cut out. A lot of things you guys didn't see. Uh, but Evander and Evander and Riddick both stole the show. You would have thought that myself and Ryan Garcia 
where, where we, you know, we did the fast money round and all that. There was a lot of things you didn't see. Evander Holyfield and Reddick Bowe. I'll go on Family Feud seven days a week with either of those guys. They were sharp. And they were comical, too, especially Big Daddy. Yes. Big Daddy Riddick. Yes. He was pretty comical. funny. Yeah. Comical. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that you were trying to think of some of the answers maybe outside the basket and the ones deeper there. Did it ever cross your mind that it's like, I, I want to be a little bit creative here, but want to make sure that I don't give one of those answers that makes me go viral with something that everybody just <laughs> thinks is like, where is that coming from? I, pro- I promise you, after every answer, I was like, uh, that's going to be the one. Uh, that's going to be the one. I just knew I was going to go viral for one of those answers at some point. Um, but but I, I think I held it together. And after a while of hearing that eh sound, I was like, you know what? Let me pull it back in and just stick with the basics. Don't overthink it. And, you know, I ended up getting it all, all together at the end. Oh, that's that's, that's fine. You're, you're lucky that our, our regular uh, uh, producer and engineer, Numchuck, is not back in the studio because he had that all queued up, man. He had your Family Feud episode queued up, and he had the eh, ready to go for you, man. So I think I, t- oh, I, I, told, you, I, think I told you that like a few weeks ago we uh, when we you were did. talking about doing this. Uh, you go, no, no, no. But anyway, yeah. uh, too funny, man, too funny. But didn't Riddick Bo had one of those? viral moments that he had I can't remember what it was but he had one of those answers that had everybody falling out do you remember what that was the question was the question was yeah. when a man can't take a, a girlfriend a, a, a girl a woman to on a date who else would he take that's right and we we go to Big Daddy and he said and you know Big Daddy's got the voice he's just he Joe and and Steve said Joe he said Joe mama and i mean when when nobody was expecting it you could not have written a script for the things that riddick bowe did up there that day it really was amazing to see him in that type of element and really just shine the way that he did great stuff man showtime sean porter uh in the ring uh, just commentating and now family feud star there you go great stuff brother all right man uh great great uh Great to catch up with you as always. Uh, we'll we'll uh, keep following your Browns. We'll keep following what's uh, what's Thank happening you. with you. He's a great follow on Twitter too at Showtime Sean P. And uh, yeah, have a a, a blessed Christmas uh, holiday season uh, for yourself as well. You and your family. And uh, you got two little ones running around now. So all right, yeah, Daddy. Buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. I know hey. how that's what that's all about for you. Hey, listen, man. Uh, happy birthday to you. Merry Christmas. Always great to catch up. Uh, keep bugging me, man. Um, I, you know I'm a little busy, but please keep bugging me. I, I really do appreciate who you are uh, as, a, as, a, as a journalist and also as a, as a friend and, and just a human being, man. I, I appreciate you. Tell everyone I say hello. You got it, Sean. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Take care, brother. Take, talk, talk to you later. There he is. Showtime, Sean Porter, two-time welterweight champion of the world. Always fun having him on, especially when he's down here at the Cosmopolitan with us on Fridays. Yeah, Sean's just a superhuman being. It's great to have Matt here. It's great to see him uh, really branch out and do other things outside of boxing because he's a dynamic personality and he's a, he's a great guy. And he's a, he's a warrior if he's a Browns yeah. fan. I yeah. mean, that, that's been a tough one to be. Uh, he didn't touch on which, which I, uh, the running game for the Browns yeah. is, is magnificent. They got the two running backs. Kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Biner and Mack back in the day when go. each went for 1,000, yep. and they, yep. may, they may do that this year. Yep. So uh, I think that that's the thing where Cleveland could stay in games, but they just need to control the clock a little more yep. because their defense is a little suspect. All right, we'll talk more about the NFL on the other side. Our best bet segment is coming your way, and we talk the college football championship games as well. The quarterback. Our guy Jay Schrader is in the house. Christina Madison, our public health expert, is going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, She's going to join us for our best bets, too. So uh, a lot of fun coming up in hour number two. It is the T.C. Martin Show on a football Friday live from the Cosmopolitan.